coming up on WordBirds. So the argument is that marketing owns, a, owns channels, mm-hmm. right? Communication owns the message. Hello and welcome to WordBirds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people who care about words. Today on the show, Nikki Festa O'Brien. Nikki is the president of the brand marketing and PR agency Greeno right here in Massachusetts. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the death of the Blog Carnival Initiative. And we're going to answer the question of, is the press release actually dead? And the final thing, and this is very questionable, is we're going to visit the dark future of the CMO title. Yep, that's what she said. Let's sit back and get some insight from the blog. What could you do with a 90% reduction in content errors, a 70% increase in content quality, and a 60% reduction in content editing costs? Probably what our customers are already doing. And that's creating better content faster. Acrolinks, the amazing content company. Hi, Nikki. Hi. Um, This is a first. We're actually doing Word Birds today live. This is Friends of the Birds season. Uh, I'm excited for you to be literally here in the office with me. Third camera. Um, great. Let's jump right into the quick start. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about your best and most successful campaign. Yes. Anything with executive thought leadership. When I'm working with an executive about how they feel about a certain topic, what they'd like to move forward, uh, messaging that they're testing, things like that, it's always the best campaign um, that uh, I've worked on. And I always think that we both learn a little something from the process. Okay, what's the uh, what's the worst? What's the, what's the big failure in your world? So funny. Um, I was at Inbound last week and was just talking to somebody about my worst campaign. It was something that used to be called a blog carnival. Okay. And the healthcare company who was trying to sort of trend jack HIMSS, which is their you know healthcare's major conference, and they weren't going to be there. But they thought, well, why don't we? We need something that brings all of our partners and customers together, and and takes over hymns. So blog carnivals were big for like 10 seconds during that period of time. I, I missed that entire yes, thing. Yes, yeah, it was, it was a very quick moment in time. And we had, it. basically what it is, is that you everyone in your network writes a blog, right? This is pre-LinkedIn being a big deal, okay. definitely pre-TikTok, all of that. And then everybody writes it and tags each other. So there's like a rolling thunder approach. Oh. The reason why it was the worst campaign, well, there's many reasons. The biggest one is that it was too complicated. Campaigns need to be simple to execute, to have impact. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one person couldn't tag the other person because they didn't do what they were supposed to do in time for the posting and publishing of their blog. So it just fell apart before it even got off the runway. <laughs> so, so I, I'm just glad that that wasn't back in the era of us at Perfecto. Yes. Um, I don't remember you ever pitching that as a concept. No, so, no. Okay. Yes. Learn that lesson. Uh-huh. That's, that's good. So out of the two of those, um, out of the, the thought leadership programs um, and the blog carnival, as it were, um, which one did you learn the most from? So the obvious answer is the worst, right? You always say you learn from failure and, and you know never to do it again. But I'm going to go ahead and say the best. Fantastic. Uh, the reason being is that 
when you have a long-term standing relationship with someone, you have to recreate something new over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And failures usually they're a flash in the pan. You probably don't work with that company anymore because sure. you failed and or um, there's there's some sort of endpoint that ends up happening based on, a, on that bad experience when it's really the long-term relationships you learn the most from because you know more right. after the first year, right? And you have to re literally reinvent yourself, reinvent the program, reinvent the campaign, reinvent the content or the um, activation for their audience, you know, for three, five, seven, ten 10 years, which is typically the time period in which I work with uh, my clients. And uh, so definitely on the, on the best side. And I think it's, I mean, on the topic of executive thought leadership, I think it's interesting because you need to, like when I hire somebody, mm -hmm. it takes them time to get up to speed. Sure. I feel like you don't get that, um, A. And B, you need to be them. You mm -hmm. need to know, like, just so we're all clear, I'm a, I'm a client of Greeno. Yeah. And your team needs to be inside my head and sound like me and know my opinions because I'm yeah. not very, I don't, I'm not responsive. I don't, yeah. Ali sends me something and I'm like, yeah, it seems fine. Send it back. <laughs> and so it's it's on you from moment one yeah. to be able to be the people that you're representing. Yeah. How does that how does that work? I mean, do you have examples of that just being amazingly perfect? Sure. <laughs> um, my favorite part of that um, that experience, and you and I have had some fun times in this area too, together, is um, actually discussing how the executive would actually respond to something. Sure. And it becomes a me versus me moment. Um, and that's when I know we're doing our job right. right. But it's also so much fun to say, no, you wouldn't actually say that. You would say this if you were asked that question. You would, you would actually use this example. Remember when you did this? And I've worked with Fortune 500 technology companies, healthcare companies, life sciences companies. In every instance, it ends up in laughter because it's it's literally you looking at you in a mirror and debating whether or not you would say something or how you'd react to it. Oh, and it's worse than that because you're, you've are you had the time to strategize. You've sat down with the team and you've yeah. talked about what I would say. I haven't. And I'm right. just, no, right. I want to say cuff. this. Right. Like, you don't want to say that. Uh, and there's so many moments, especially yeah. in my life, where yeah. I would like somebody to just follow me around and be like, hey, you should yeah. lock it up. Yeah. You're Use this example instead. Yeah. It is what you're going to say. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's a fantastic skill. <laughs> that I get from you and what you do. Um, you're a different type of guest than we have in the show sure. on purpose, mm -hmm. um, because I think that when we talk about enterprise content, enterprise content strategy, sure. which is the majority of the people that come on the show we talk about, um, it's, it's about creating the brand, filling the brand with content. Um, you are standing on the other side of a fence yeah. trying to do that same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't look at, I've never looked at your teams as a, as a separate organization. You're just on, we talk in terms sure. of us and what we're doing, but that's not real from where you're sitting. You, you're, you're trying to be a thing and be part of my overall content delivery mechanism. Yeah. And I think that's, that's gotta be a challenge because I'm not your only, I hope I'm not your only client. So you're doing that across multiple organizations. How do you manage being a 
a viable and, and domain part of everybody's team at sure. the same time. Yeah, it's funny. So I've worked agency side almost my entire career. So this is like asking, you know, how do you just eat with a fork, you know? Uh, <laughs> but um, I think one of the things that's always good and part of every successful relationship is that initial onboarding and discovery. Mm -hmm. If you've done that well, it, it is a right? It becomes a file in your brain and you access that file and and that's the sort of performance that you're you're doing at that moment. I, I'm big into the method acting, right? So today I will be Acrolinks forever. So this is your Acrolinks yeah. outfit. This is my Acrolinks, yes, yes. This is my Acrolinks outfit. This is my Acrolinks vibe. I'm in my Barbie slash Acrolinks era with the hot pink. So, um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's the foundational success element of, of that um, piece because if you didn't learn what you needed to understand about the brand, about the executive, about the customers and the personas that you're targeting in, the, in that formative area, you'll never have learned it, right? You'll always be just left of hitting the mark. Um, and once you've done that, it's it's like any relationship that you're in. You remember where they're from. You remember what they do for a living. You remember what they like and dislike. So it's just, it's the same thing. So that was a leading question, and it went where I thought it would uh, for the purposes of for me and what I do. Sure. Like I have one product, uh, but I do have multiple personas. Mm -hmm. I do have multiple use cases. Sure. I do have multiple industries that I sell to, and the thing that you said and the, the core to your statement is it was about the planning process. It's yeah. about identifying all of that, building out the models for each one of those, yeah. being able to accurately communicate those across the team mm -hmm. and having people internalize those messages. We, I think in, in B2B software, struggle with mm -hmm. that because we don't think about having multiple clients that I need to be native to on any given day. You're going to walk out of here, you're going to walk in someplace else, and you're going to change your jacket and be a different person yeah. and a different team. And going all the way back to the beginning of the process and identifying what is the thing, who is it for, what are we talking about, key points, all the so that I can be native and domain and then enable my teams to be native and domain and create content that is native and domain to that space on a one-by-one -one basis so that I'm effective everywhere. I think that's such a challenge for companies that you, like you said, do as if it's just using a fork. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to that. I think what I'm saying is you should be in an advisory role helping companies create yeah. their content strategies, yeah. um, which I guess technically you are. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the takeaway for our listeners is that it matters, the planning matters, the structure matters, the framework matters to deliver the message that becomes the premium content, that becomes the derivatives. I, I understand that there's a thing happening with generative technology and we can create all this derivative mm -hmm. content from great content. Yeah. Um, it starts with having great content though. It does. And I, I would advise your listeners to consider asking a couple personal questions at the outset of whoever you're sitting with, right? There's always some sort of intake call mm -hmm. or meeting that happens, an immersive experience that Is they're this doing. Get creepy? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we can get weird if you want it. Fantastic. But, <laughs> but there's some sort of immersive experience that happens so that they can get the information they need to then write, you know, said content. Right. And the questions that I generally ask are 
what brand out there is doing something that you really like and why, mm-hmm. right? So now you're, you're starting to understand their tone, um, the way that they think, what it, do they like sort of short, pithy sort of content or do they like more uh, elongated, illustrative content? What don't you like? Why? And then also, you know, what's your, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work, right? Mm-hmm. Are they hikers? Are they CrossFitters? Are they, you know, foodies, things like that? Because that actually says a lot about the person and the kind of drive that they have or the, or the sort of interest areas that, you know, maybe they do something really creative. You have these awesome pictures on your wall. And I was told that one of your, Noah. yeah, right. One of your employees did that. Okay. I actually know Noah now. I can see it in every one of those photos and the fact that that's something he likes to do. And that can be reflected in the content that you're writing for that person, that department, mm-hmm. that brand. Interesting. I, I mean, it's, there, I think we all have a lot to do in really understanding how to build that model. I think this is super yeah. helpful. Um, let's talk about, I mean, the idea of a, of a public relations agency, people think, Oh, the press release. Yeah. Is that a thing? Like, is that the thing? Sometimes it is, you know? Yes. It's unfortunately, yes. And I think it comes from uh, a place in which they don't fully grasp the, um, the power behind the communications field, Mm -hmm. Um, the many different facets, the different channels that we can be impacting and the types of content that we could be putting out there that could be even more impactful for their target persona. I just find it fun when people in the company say they don't work in marketing or communications, like let's do a press release. Okay, what do you mean by that? Because I think what you're saying is a blog article. Like I think you want me to put something on our website. Are you suggesting that I put this on the wire? Right. Like, do you want me to shop this around, get a uh, pre-release to something? Like, I can't do that. I don't have that reach. Um, And people don't understand that. It's like, we're going to do a press release. Yeah. And ultimately, what they're asking for is to own a message, Mm -hmm. right? They're asking to own a message, define it for their audience, and educate folks so that when we go in to tell them about Acrolinks, for example, Mm -hmm. they already are brought, um, they're already familiar. They already know what a benefit is, or they already know roughly what, what area or space that they're talking about. So whether it's press release, whether it's a blog, whether it's a video series, um, a piece of social content, whatever that may be, those, those are simply ways to own a message, ways to educate an audience and ways to target um, specifically who they want to speak to and move them uh, along the, so the journey. So release of a software product with yeah. a an in, uh, increased value and in an integration. Press release? Mm, no. No. <laughs> no. No. Blog article, maybe. Um, but I think that's the balance between, and what's not understood is the balance between an awareness campaign yeah. and a press release. Yeah. Like, it's not newsworthy. The Wall Street Journal does not care about your point release. Yeah. Like, it's not a thing. Um, they don't care about Salesforce's point sure. release. But could I do a campaign? that builds awareness, it gets the right. result that the people that asked for the press release thought they right. wanted in the first place. Yes, and that's a whole different area. And that's a thing that, I mean, to be fair to the audience, that's a thing that we're gonna be talking about here today after this is the idea of awareness campaign yeah. to drive some of our messaging out there. That yeah. I don't think, I mean, I'd love the Wall Street Journal to write about it, but I think we need to do that work. Yeah. It needs to be part of our content strategy to drive that out there sure. through awareness channels. Sure, I, I would argue a point release in, in B2B software is best served for um, 
maybe some sort of demo video with their community, mm, right? Yeah. So because that's who's using it, that's who's going to be excited that they're getting something improved amongst a software they're already using. So a brand new enterprise net new logo is not super interested in a point release? No, no. no. But what they may be interested in is you might have advanced something in your product that's bigger than the product, right? right? So every client in the world is asking us to write uh, gen AI messaging, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the thing, Right. as it turns Voice out. Voice search, things like that. So you, you'll want to talk to your community about that and their dot release um, and what that means for them and the great functionality for that. But from a thought leadership perspective, that might be a really great thing for the CEO to talk about the vision of that company and why they're um, streamlining the user interface mm -hmm. of their product by enabling voice search or uh, having gen AI. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I got a thing. Uh, it's called the provocative statement of the day. The okay. sure. So I use it um, to put concepts out on the table. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, this morning, literally this morning, yeah. um, I have some opinions on packaging. Yeah. I don't know if I feel them, Okay. but I want us to talk about them. So All the provocative right. statement of the day puts it out on the table, distances me from it, but it doesn't distance me, distance me that far. Something I think, maybe I believe, but I don't know if everybody else does, so I'm just shoving it out there. Okay. What is your provocative statement of the day? This feels like a trick, because you want to disagree with me. I do. I want to fight I, you. I know. Ready. Um, okay. I think <laughs> that communications should not only have a seat at the table, but that marketing should roll up into comms versus roll into, oh, shit. Versus okay. into marketing. Uh, go, go on, explain yourself. This is, <laughs> oh, so, so wait, um, there's a chief communications officer mm -hmm. that manages the VP of marketing. Yeah. 100% what I'm saying. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Go on. So here's my thought process yep. on this. Comms is the first to know everything. Okay. Personnel issues, SEC investigations, S1 forms when you're going public. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of those things go to comms almost first uh, because they need to write every message that comes after it whether it's the CEO talking to the employees, whether it's a CEO making a statement publicly, whether it's, uh, go ahead. I want to argue with you, but, but I mean, what you're saying is not inaccurate. I'm thinking back over the history of my career and the tip of the spear moments are in communications. It's, it's drafting crisis content. Yes. It's, it's any number of things where you know, the hiring of a new mm -hmm. executive leader in a company, mm -hmm. like all these things tie to the, yeah. the big things in company strategy. But, but how do you reconcile that against, for instance, the, I mean, I as a CMO, I'm very tied to revenue. Yeah. So I, I own Pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm part of the stream of, of top of funnel sure. through to the sales organization yeah. that seems like that's i want that to be the thing yeah it's not the thing so the argument is that marketing owns a owns channels mm -hmm. right communication owns the message huh. so if we own the message 
we are most well read on your personas. We're the most well read on what the entire executive team's positions are. Uh, we know what's coming down the pipe that marketing doesn't. That could be uh, maybe an issue in what is said or how something's positioned. And so marketing owns the channel in which these messages are facilitated and amplified, but comms owns what's being said on them. Wow. Um, if I had an award statue, this is by far the most provocative statement of the day. You win. You, you've won. People that are listening that have been on the show yeah. are like, oh, damn, I lost. That yeah. was the provocative statement. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not to say that the others weren't good, but this yeah. crushed it. Nikki, thank you for being yeah. on the show. Thank this you was so much. phenomenal. We'll yeah. definitely do this again. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to Word Birds. Word Birds is hosted by Chris Willis, produced by Charlotte Baxter-Reed, and brought to you by Acrolinks. For more information on Acrolinks, visit www.acrolinks.com.